0: hey what's up buddy how we doing
1: how are you man that was good stuff that was fun i was like just kind of like leaning in and listening and like you guys keep on going um you could jump i remember that you're in good shape now so but the two-footed jumping i mean i could jump too but i was a left you know left leg left footed jumper and if i tried to go up my right it was it was a considerable difference but i can't jump anymore and haven't been able to for a long time so I wouldn't even test it now. I'd be worried about blowing out my Achilles.
0: Yeah, well, you're smarter than most guys our age. We're both in our mid-40s now. By the way, hello. Welcome to the 3 to 5 show. I think I'm going to call it Longhorn Misfits. I may call it Shooting the Bull. I may just keep calling it the unnamed show for the foreseeable future. We'll see. Okay. Uh, But uh, you and I are both 45. Most people our age would try some weakened warrior stupidity. And end up with blown out ligaments or a broken bone or something else. Because we all think in the back of our minds that we can still do that which we were previously able to accomplish. But the reality is, even if you are still training those same muscles and those same movements, father time remains undefeated. You are not going to be able to do it to the level that you were. Especially if you haven't done anything... even more than mildly physically active in the last decade. Yeah. These yahoos out there who think that they're going to try and dunk on a nine foot rim and they end up splitting their head open as a result. Yeah. I, you know, the, the
1: aging thing has not been hard for me. I, I and maybe cause I was, I was, there was an element of my personality that was 71 at 10. Hmm. Um, that it has not been hard for me to give the stuff up. I don't miss playing pickup basketball. I had a ball doing it. I had a blast. I played yard football every single day that I could um, I played enough sports to where I feel like I got it out of my system. I knew I was not a great athlete. I was okay at a certain level and it is what it is, you know, but I, I don't miss it. I mean, I can get my workouts in now in a safer way. And, and um, I mean, I'm, hell. I broke my ankle twice. I essentially broke it. So just playing pickup basketball. So I, 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 you know, at 19, I could do that. Now that would be, whew, That'd be a bitch.
0: I don't really miss pickup basketball, but I was also able to take up something else that filled that competitive void. And also that sure. exercise without exercising void, because that's the way that I've always enjoyed exercising the most is basically chasing a ball around and right. it's not seeming like you're exercising. But even with sand volleyball now because i've been dealing with some hip issues this summer i'm like is this just a matter of there being a tiny injury here or is this truly my body breaking down in ways that it happens in old age where the you know the stereotypical joke is well he's old he's got a bad hip or that person broke their hip or you know they had to get hip replacement like am i starting to turn that corner now doing everything in my power to hold that off but at some point, if I get a year from now, and it's still the same thing of me trying to maintain every 24 hours, then perhaps I do need to uh, to turn to one of our many friends in the Austin area who, who deals with orthopedic issues.
1: Well, I mean, also, I mean, how many 81-year-olds do you see or 70-year-olds out there playing beach volleyball? Like at some point you're going to have to make that move. And I remember older guys who were broken down playing pickup basketball and they're backing me down and, you know, it's just such an old slow man's game. And I remember thinking, God, I wish I could have played you 10 years ago and not just, you know, athletically dominated you.
0: Yeah, how about this from Jay Ward? He's mentioned that he uh, was a bull rider previously. He said he trained some young guys in bull riding last year. They talked me into getting back on at 32. Bro Jay bread. Ward. Yeah, bull riding is something, even the mechanical bull that exists in whatever bar on Dirty Sixth Street, no thank you. Right. No. And that's just a mechanical bull. You're talking about a, what, 2,000-pound creature who is actively trying to not just get you off of its back, but try and hurt you in the process.
1: Yeah. Because yeah.
0: Nuts tied up.
1: Ryan Nunez has went into bull riding, I know, at some point, which doesn't shock me. I mean, Nuda, talk about a spe- special athlete. Um, th- that's just a different mentality. And um, guys like Jay Ward have it, and and I admire it so much. Uh, probably because I don't have it. And I mean, that's you and I have a different set of balls. I mean, I've got one, but uh, figuratively speaking, um, that is that's a that's a pair that most of us don't have, and probably understandably so. But the guys that have it, the gals that do that, oof, those are some balls and ovaries, man.
0: Yeah. So I guess the obvious lame question with Ryan Nunez bull riding. Did he fall off the bull when you touched him? What is that? That was always the joke with Ryan Nunez when he was being handed the football off out of the backfield, that if he got going, watch out. But the first hint of contact, he's going down.
1: All right, all right. I got news for you. With Sean Mitchell and uh, I'll at least go my my childhood Sean Mitchell and Ryan Nunez were the best Central Texas running backs we've ever seen. So yeah, I mean he he was not he was not Ricky Williams going through a hole, but it really didn't matter. But uh but I, I didn't know that was a joke with Nunez because by the time he got here, he was pretty much a slot guy. He was a good slot receiver for that 99 team.
0: Did he start at Colorado?
1: Yeah. So he was a punt returner, kick returner, and they kind of tried to use him before they really had gadget guys. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he started pretty early on. Ryan Nunes was a badass. That story about Ryan Nunes, they're, they're facing John Tyler. My sophomore year, his junior year, Westlake is for the state championship, 94. And that John Tyler team, you know, David Warren price uh, I mean they, they were they were loaded and um, they ended up beating Westlake and they were the better team just more athleticism good football team they were tough too but first play for Westlake they pitch it right on just a sweep right and these guys take Westlake angles Zay and I laughed about this at our uh, at our photo shoot on Saturday man you take the Westlake angle early on and understandably so. I'm not trying to sit here and be like, you know, that's racism. Nope. Not. We would take Westlake angles on Westlake guys. And, and it was literally these two guys who were D1 guys, secondary guys, took an angle that I, I get, man. And Nunez just burned him. Goes 80 and he's like pointing the gun, you know, as he's uh, – which he would always do is he's like, you know, going to the end zone. That, that was pretty funny. I remember I had the perfect angle of those guys and the angles they took. And they adjusted. They adjusted right away. Or like, all right, this guy can fly, you know.
0: Was Nunez 22 for the Longhorns?
1: Yep. Hmm. 22 for the Longhorns, 22 for Westlake, if I remember, too.
0: Okay. So we are just a little bit more than 48 hours. Let's call it 40, 50 hours away from yeah. Houston, Alabama kicking off in Tuscaloosa on saturday night it is nationally televised on espn six o'clock kickoff you my friends even though you do still have spectrum will be able to watch the game at home
1: god i love my best friend trey trey is a great guy we're not going to get into the details because i want to make sure i still have it on saturday but thank
0: you password sharing is a beautiful thing so you will be able to watch this game at home uh where are you right now with this matchup katie
1: I've got explosive diarrhea, um, and so I'm worried that it's still going to be there on Saturday. Um, I'm sorry. That story has, you, you know, you and I talked about it on the phone, and gross, we, we've got two hours. We're talking a ton of Texas Bama. God, that story is hilarious. And it was a chick, too. Like, how do you have ex- explosive diarrhea? Have you seen the video and the pictures of the plane?
0: I came up with a theory that may help to explain it. Okay, please. And by the way, I I feel bad it's a woman. It was a dude, you know. Every detail that we find out about this story adds a level of complexity and confusion to how (laughs) the hell this actually happened. So it went from being everybody assuming that it was a man. And by the way. You can take yes. this if you want to. It's completely understandable because you don't think that a woman is capable of that. Only guys are that fucking gross.
1: Period. Oh, no. The, 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 this is only a lift to women and a shot at men coming from men. That, that And by the way, I always laugh because Bucky's like, you know, they drop deer pellets. No, they take shits. They're just actually a, a lot more civilized than we are and don't talk about it all the time and come back and been like, eh, you should have seen this growler.
0: Woo-hoo! Hey, I took a picture, you know, women can be very gross in the bathroom also because at a uh, former radio station that you and I both worked at, where we would often have to listen to the person who went in to clean both bathrooms lament about it. Oftentimes, right. women's room was significantly more disgusting than the men's bathroom was the
1: first women's bathroom I ever walked into. I obviously knew I know what that's not a good way to start a statement. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, you know, I wouldn't do that on trial. Um, well, your honor, I mean, the first women's bathroom I walked into, no, but I mean, I, you know, i would never been into one, obviously wasn't going to go into one, but I was at, I was at work and we knew that no one was there. It was one of those like radio deals where you're, you know, one in the morning doing a post game and nobody's there. And I thought, you know, I've never walked into one. I just want to see what it's like. I think the office did a, a, a show kind of like this. And I went in there. There were couches, you know, and a massage. The massage woman was still there Some for some reason at 1 a.m. It was like a full operating spa. I thought, whoa, this is not the South Texas uh, Texaco that I usually go into in, in every men's room, you know. I couldn't believe just how orderly and nice it was, but the couches, you know, tampons everywhere, which are fun to play on. Play with, you know, I mean, and uh, yeah, I mean, all types of
0: stuff that I thought, holy shit. Yeah, they're good for nosebleeds. By the way, Craig, big Craig, buddy, of see? Art, says Trey is someone who worked on six. The women's room is way more gross.
1: How? How is that possible?
0: Because they, I don't know if it's because they don't talk about it, but when they are amongst themselves, they just let that grotesque freak flag fly, I guess. What are the shitting on the floor? Maybe it does have to do with not and that's the other question, is that I mean the
1: period thing I get. The period thing, if
0: if I bled
1: out of my dick once a month, I would I wouldn't be around right now. I, I couldn't have dealt with that. There, but there'd be there'd be blood all over my place, probably.
0: Maybe it's this that a lot of women don't feel comfortable sitting on toilet seats in public bathrooms, and I certainly don't fault them for that. What do they what do they do?
1: Go on the floor?
0: So there's a lot of hovering going on, and when you're hovering the accuracy isn't as there, isn't quite as, as, as good. Maybe that's it. I'm just trying to come up with some theories. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Um, Bob, Bob Dunn was so, was so, you know, anal about he, he, he's disgusted by public restrooms and part of me, um, you know, being a kid and going against my dad a little bit, uh, which shows you that I wasn't that rambunctious was I really, you know, I took to public restrooms, So kids.
0: every time we go eat somewhere, especially someplace new within the first 10 minutes of us sitting down, they need to go drop a deuce.
1: Good. Good for them. I used to wait to go to Maryland to drop a deuce. I had no problem one time coming back from Padre and it was one of those Texaco, you know, Harlingen before Harlingen's even gotten bigger bathrooms. And it wouldn't have been Harlingen. It was one of those. It was disgusting. And I ate it up because going back to the, to the car, I could tell my dad was more disgusted than I was, and I experienced it. Ah, uh, that was good. That was good. I've talked about it for the next 20 minutes, which is what guys do. Like, this story, I was howling yesterday. I'm probably
0: going to howl for the next 10 years about this. It's fucking hilarious. And it was a European trip, too. So, yeah, you have the European vacation. You have it being a woman and not a man. So then you wonder, okay, what was she wearing that would allow this sort of Sour, spoiled milk slash diarrhea sort of leakage to get all over the aisle like this, especially after that video came out. Was she wearing a skirt or a dress? Because that's maybe a little bit more understandable or maybe even shorts. Surely it wasn't pants, but according to eyewitness account, she was actually wearing pants when all of this happened too. She had to try to probably get to the back, right? And it's just seeping out because there's no way that all that carried back. Zay wondered about this over the last couple of hours and there may be some credence here like maybe she was taking a drug Yes. Had a laxative sort of effect.
1: Yeah, that's what I told you yesterday. I go, There's medication with a bad diet and all types of stuff with this. There
0: had to be. And the other possibility that I concocted about an hour ago is maybe it was a leaky colostomy bag where there's already a medical issue there, and somehow, and those things are durable, thank yeah.
1: God.
0: Very- Alvina,
1: Alvina had one. My great-grandma, the one who called me cabin. Yeah. German, immigrant, um, dirt poor, she had one. And uh, my Uncle Keith one time at Thanksgiving, she was in the bathroom, and we were like doing to-go bags at the very end. And what's the, is it yam, not yams, what's the, what's the, uh, uh, Thanksgiving, I hated them. That's why I don't know the Thanksgiving food that looks pink or kind of like blood. And it's uh, why oh, uh, cranberry sauce, it was cranberry sauce and like but with cranberries. And he put it on there and he said, Hey, don't forget to have Alvina take her colostomy back
0: home. <laughs> oh, oh, god.
1: No, I was, I mean, at nine years old or eight years old, I'm dying laughing, dude. But for like a second, I believed him. So yeah, it could have been a colostomy bag. I mean, if so, i feel bad for her either way.
0: So have you seen something new about this story today? Because I'll be honest, other than the video that BK showed me yesterday, I'm not following up closely on this story other than just being completely revolted and also reminding people. That there are some essential rules to shitting yourself. (laughs) First rule of shitting yourself, as BT came up with yesterday, is don't shit yourself. But the second rule of shitting yourself is that if you do that, you have to throw that underwear away immediately. Yep. I don't even know if nothing got on there, but especially if a drop gets on that underwear, a single drop, that underwear is gone. And there's a chance that you were getting away, uh, getting rid of those pants too. If there was any level of leakage there, which in this situation, considering how much is spilling out all over the carpet in the aisle of this airplane, the,
2: <laughs> <brought to>
0: <laughs> in the bathroom not being covered up by a towel that's been brought aboard once they turned around and landed. <laughs>
1: <back>. <laughs> oh, life can be so funny, man. I was on that plane I would have been so ir- irate you're going to Valencia wherever they're going and they gotta turn around because someone's got what do they call it toxic no, biohazard
0: diarrhea like are you biohazard. getting me I mean that speaks purely to the rancid stench of whatever was was being passed from biohazard what is this Chernobyl it's fucking diarrhea I mean I'm guessing that the smell was that bad. Like, her guts were smelled that rotten that there's no way that you could continue that flight. Like, I'm worried now, <laughs> COVID era for the last three, years, that there's some sort of insane stomach bug that's about to <laughs> strike this country because, unfortunately, the plane got turned back. Oh, my in.
1: God. Dude, I'm crying, man. I mean, it shows you... I, I may, like... People call it dark humor or whatever. I would call it very top-of-the-level humor like Carlin and Hicks and Geraldo and guys like that but like I've, I mean us dudes man we, we, we can't get a kick out of farting and shitting can we and I, I hope I hope at 82 I still get chuckles out of that I remember farting one time with my grandma in the other room or my dad farted and uh, I started laughing he goes shh don't say anything and he started laughing too and he was probably in his 40s so I'm glad, I'm glad in our 40s we can still get a kick out of this. I'm obviously getting a bigger kick than you are, but I haven't talked about it yet. I haven't followed up on it, but I've just been thinking about it. It's just, it's just hilarious to
0: me. Oh, dude, this is my wheelhouse. This is, uh, this is exactly the sort of story that I live for, but I have talked about it a few times up to this point. And I will say, because for the most part, you're right. Flatulence, excrement, even pee can be pretty funny. But it's not all funny, and I found that out yesterday because our idiot dog, who oh, is now a three-legged dog because he tore his ligament, so we're about to have to spend another thousand bucks on this waste of space. He tore his ligament. He tore a knee ligament, which he- I didn't
1: think cats and dogs could tear ligaments. They're that agile, like they're built that.
0: The labs, especially, and he is part lab. They have a propensity to tear knee ligaments, and they all really. Play hip issues too as do shepherds but this guy oh, Go- Go-
1: goldens have hip issues too late who does a golden retrievers do we had one and his hips got real bad
0: yeah goldens and uh labs and a very similar similar part of the uh the Canid family but this dog tears its knee ligament a couple weeks ago so over the last week we've had to keep him in his cage because you're supposed to kennel rest them is what they call it which is to keep them from moving around like crazy because otherwise they're dogs and they're trying to burn that energy off. And he's playing with his dog brother, but we've had to keep him in his kennel for the most part in the mother-in-law suite downstairs. And this guy decided to make a statement. I didn't think he had it in him. I thought he was too stupid to do something like this, but he snuck in there yesterday when the door was open and he didn't have to be in his kennel after he'd been let out to go to the bathroom, mind you. And decided to drop three Lincoln logs right there on the area rug <laughs> in the bed <laughs> to his kennel to let us know, hey guys, this is fucked up what you're doing to me right now. I don't appreciate it anymore. Yeah. Oh, I mean, but, but, but kennel time. And now Justine is a step closer to getting rid of this asshole, too. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Not going to. And she obviously has the final say so. But she was angry enough that I feel like if I could have pushed just right, we could have gotten this dog out of the house and moved on with our lives.
1: Oh, next dog you pick, make sure that you really vet them before.
0: We thought we did.
1: Yeah, I know. Sometimes you do, and, you know.
0: Him not being afraid of the black lab was of the uh, black dog, rather, which is a uh, lab shepherd mix. He was pretty intimidating looking. I mean, he is mostly black and Mm Humans and animals alike are afraid of big black dogs, but this guy was not afraid. Like he was going up and playing with them and messing with them. And he thought that was a sign of him being able to handle it. No, it was just a sign of his stupidity and him not knowing any better So our attempt to vet ultimately backfired. All right. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, I know we're going to get Texas Bama, but I wanted to uh, start the show off with some fun. We've got an extra hour so. We can, uh, we've can. we got plenty of sports to talk about. And, and we are going to talk some Rangers Astros. You're not getting away from that. I'm, I'm sure you and BK haven't touched that, right? No, we, we're going to break down UCF and Fresno.
0: Yeah, we're, I, I have no desire to talk about the Texas Rangers. They make me... Oh, uh, um, we're going to. to we're going to. They make me want to have toxic diarrhea right now. By the way, is, what is the next turn that this story could possibly take? I don't I, know what that's, else the story could possibly do to get better, but I imagine there's something that we'll learn about by the end of the week.
1: Maybe if it's the same woman who flipped out, who's become a viral sensation, and I'm not even sure if it's the same woman. You know the woman who was like, "There's like, you know, I'm
0: not real." You know, that I was. barely
1: follow this. Yeah, she's like, "You're an alien," or you know, I, and she got off the plane, and now, you know, she's a Latina. So of course, I think she's hot. But uh, but she, this woman almost looks different than that picture too. You know what I'm talking
0: about? The uh, the the woman, the crazy woman who is uh, part of the crazy hot matrix. That yeah. woman, yeah, oh yeah, no, she is attractive, and she is also guano crazy. Yeah, I know.
1: Which is what I love about guys. Like, she gave you evidence right away. She's batshit crazy. Guys, and guys right now are... And I guess women did the same thing. Hell, women were writing Ted Bundy in prison. So, um, but guys especially, there's a a higher percentage of us that are like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care if she's crazy. You know, I'd take her out. Like, the responses I've seen on Twitter are, you know, wood and everything else. Which I would too. I, I mean as long as I could never get a pregnant doctor again.
0: It's in that same family as the being infatuated with the ballerina bit. Like your imagination just goes places where you think you're probably pumping it up a little bit too much in your own head about what the ultimate result would be. If you actually hooked up with her in that regard, I've never heard the ballerina thing.
1: I do know. I mean, aren't aren't most ballerinas or any dancers like that. They're almost masochistic because of the pain they go through for that, and a lot of times they end up being, you know, fucking psychos.
0: Yeah, the gymnast thing also. I know Seinfeld yep. explored that one where he was dating a gymnast and spinners, baby. Everybody wondered that is a possibility, but it's also possible that there are these deep rooted issues that will cause a lot of problems.
1: Getting back to to shitting yourself, I'm lucky I, I, as as an adult at least. I really haven't like fully shit myself. Um,
0: really. Congratulations.
1: Like a full, like a full shit? No, I mean, I, I, trust me, I've had accidents. Usually, it's farting, and then turns into a shark. You you didn't realize your stomach was there, but yeah, the boxer briefs are gone. At that point, I'm just trying to save the pants. But the, I'm not I'm not gonna George like George Carlin Carlin's wife, you know, get the tub going with hot water and Clorox and try and save those things, you know.
0: No, I guess I've never let out a, a full Snickers bar either. Yeah, right. I'm it like a full shit. And it is more about like what you say, where you, you've you got the bubble guts, yep. like, not quite to a bathroom for whatever reason, and you try and trust that fart just to yep. leave a little bit of the pressure. And unfortunately, it comes out wet Yeah, but immediately.
1: And the older you get, you start farting on the toilet. Ah, worst case scenario, it's just a fart. <laughs> um, that's growing up, people. All right, Texas Fama, uh, what's your take right now?
0: I really hope Texas doesn't shit itself on Saturday night. That's just kind of where I'm at, too. I hope the diarrhea doesn't roll back to the back of the plane. I feel a weird sense of optimism about this game right now. And part of that is watching that Texas defense on Saturday and seeing how disruptive they are, especially that front. And them having playmakers that – different levels who I think can and will step up on a bigger stage like this. But I also know that the offense wasn't as far off as folks have lamented for the last five days. Now, like was it perfect? Absolutely not far from it at times, but there were also moments where it was very close and just a couple of plays go slightly differently, including what should have been caught going into a touchdown for uh, Jonathan Brooks in the first half and another play where Quinn threw a ball where you had two routes. God, I hate when routes run into one another, but he, he threw a ball where two routes ran into one another right at the end zone. Yes. Like JT Sanders would have probably made that catch. Otherwise yes.
1: I talked about it on post game. Was that Whittington? And I don't know. And Whittington may have, because there was a little bit of a scramble. I don't think it was, He may have already gone into scramble mode and just ran into that route. But you could tell JT was saying, hey, you know, I think JT wasn't a bad ball. And I think JT probably makes that catch.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think that if, if you see those two passes completed, then all of a sudden the game feels very different going into halftime versus them having to settle for a couple of field goals. You obviously get the field goal at the end of the half. And so I see that Texas offense being a lot closer than maybe some people realize on top of the fact that Alabama, while they certainly have strengths on both sides of the ball, that defensive line looks nasty and they're going to make life difficult for Quinn Ewers and the Texas rushing attack and any shortcomings that this Texas offensive line has, especially if guys aren't hearing their assignment coming from the center, which is why you see Cole Hudson move back to right guard now and, DJ Campbell taking at least a a temporary break on the bench with the first teamers that um, I think that this Texas team is a little bit further along than Alabama right now because they're not having to replace as much at quarterback, obviously with Bryce young being gone and will Anderson no longer a part of Alabama. That's not as big of a loss for them because they're still so good up front and at that edge rusher position too. But I just, I think Texas has it in them to take advantage of the rare opportunity of a down Bama program right now.
1: Yeah, down for them. I mean, r- relatively speaking. So, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, yeah, it seems like right guard is going to be a problem for both teams. Um, you know, the Texas interior would have been what I was most worried about, but I wasn't really worried about it. I figured they had enough pieces to figure it out. I don't know if Cole Hudson's a guy. I don't know if DJ's a guy. I don't know if you've got a you know, move someone over or move someone in, whether it's Neto. Um, but Alabama's had problems there. I mean, they, they've got a future All-American in top Booker at left guard. But at right guard, they're, you know, their fans have been talking about that. The best edge guy in this game is Dallas Turner, who could be a top 10, top 15 pick. You know, I don't know where Texas is on the edge. You know, one of the things we talked about all offseason, just as fans, was applying more pressure. We have for the last couple of years. That didn't always come in the form of sacks. They need more sacks, but just getting pressure. And I thought for the most part against Rice, they did a pretty good job with that. So this could be a very defensive game. But I also think with Alabama and maybe some question marks in the secondary with injuries as well, and Texas still has questions in the secondary until they prove it against a really good offense. You know, we may think it's low scoring and there are some big plays down the field, but that means both quarterbacks have to hit down the field. And I got questions about both of them doing that.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm starting to feel like this is a game that really exposes Ethan Burke as probably being a year away and truly being able to contribute positively in a game like this. But if that happens, though, and you're Pete Witkowski or I don't know who his position coach is technically. I don't know if it's Bo Davis or somebody else. Like, hopefully you identify that quickly enough that you can try somebody else out there too. Or maybe even a little bit bigger up front and just have four of those big bodies across that front four. Or if it is that obvious passing down, you have Anthony Hill out there to do his thing and try and exploit a little bit of youth on the outside of that left side of that Alabama offensive line. Like, look, the dude who's starting for left tackle for them was the – number one recruit in the country, number one offensive lineman, number one left tackle in the country coming out of high school. But he was playing high school ball a year ago. And more often than not, when you see true freshmen thrust into this sort of position this early on in their career, they don't do what Kelvin Banks did to Will Anderson last year. They don't succeed in ways that just leaves everybody flabbergasted. They tend to shrivel at least a little bit and it becomes a learning experience for them. Texas figure out how to exploit, a young left side of the Alabama offensive line because their left guard is a true sophomore. So did he play last year? Yeah. Was he decent last year? He was. He was better than
1: decent. Still He's
0: very green on that side of the line.
1: Yeah. I I think Tyler Book is, Booker is going to be fine at left guard. I don't think there's much to exploit there. I think Tyler Booker starts on this Texas line in a heartbeat at either guard spot. He may, hell, it may be starting at right tackle. Um, Did you have a relationship with him?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. Signed him and Will his dad. Will Will his dad is a guy I was actually showing around uh, with Tyler's grandma last year for the Alabama game. Great family. Great kid. A kid is locked in. Um, But yeah, I mean him and him and Kelvin are going to be. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're both first round picks. Will or Will Tyler may move out to tackle. But yeah, he's a he's a legit kid, man. Legit family too. Really good people. Um, But in terms of Ethan Burke and kind of getting back to your point on Alabama's freshman tackle, you know, we do need to kind of hold our horses as college fans. And the Kelvin Banks is a rarity. We see it more now than we did back in the day, but that's a rarity. Most people don't come in in their first year. Ethan Burke, I, I, I mean, it said more to me about where Texas is that Ethan Burke was starting. I loved Ethan Burke. I was early on Ethan Burke. Ethan Burke's a project, and you got to get that body up to snuff. And I thought that may take two or three years to actually really get that going. The fact that he's starting, yes, is a lot about Ethan and his potential, but it says a lot about where Texas is at that position, too. Ideally, yeah. Ethan Burke starting his redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior year when he's gotten up to 265 or whatever.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And as I mentioned in the post game from watching in person, and I've said it on the channel a couple of times this week, like you're seeing Ethan Burke's weight gain come along, but you see it more in the upper body right now. And the lower body still has at least one more off season to go before he is ready for uh, sec level football. Yep. So that's good. I guess this year because they are still in the big 12 for one more year and it is a down conference. It's maybe bad for this weekend, though, which is a an unfortunate or maybe fortunate taste of uh, what to expect from the SEC going forward if you can take care of business elsewhere.
1: Well, it's felt like – I mean, Sark's had his issues in the second half. The offense has, for sure. But it has felt like for the first two years that the offense was failing out the defense a lot or working around Kwiatkowski at times. Not every game, but – and they got better last year. But it it be nice – For Kwiatkowski to have some game plan and have some stuff for a one-dimensional quarterback, which he still is. I don't care what he did last week. He may prove me wrong this week, and we may realize, hey, Milrow has taken that next step. But to really have a game plan to make this, if they're going to win, the defense, I think, has to carry the day. The offense has to make plays, but they're, hell, they may only get three possessions a half, so make the most of it.
0: You said three possessions a half. It's going to be a little bit more than that, right?
1: Yeah, I, I would. I would hope so. I mean, I, I saw teams that had ten or eleven plays in a quarter. So I mean, it you know, it uh, it can happen. And they were actually uh, obviously uh, one of those was they had two possessions in that quarter. So yeah, it'll be a little bit more than that. But the clock is clicking, which may help with tex- Texas with this game. But defense is going to have to carry the day. Special teams has to play well and. uh it gets back to it. Quinn's got to hit some deep balls. I mean, he's got to hit some shots, man.
0: Is there somebody you're most concerned with in the Longhorn secondary?
1: Um, No. I mean, I, really no one in particular. I mean, just the unit as a whole. I would say the cornerback position, but there's not even one guy. I mean, Ryan Watts is a boundary corner. Watts has all types of potential. But, yeah, maybe if he got caught in a one-on-one, that – That may worry me. What about you? You obviously got someone in mind.
0: Less so. I mean, Ryan Watts is probably the guy. I think that he was very fortunate at times in one-on-one coverage last year that a ball was either off target or dropped. But I'm less concerned because Alabama is not nearly proven on the outside. Like, if anything, I may be worried about talking specifically about being in coverage, like what Texas does – with those Alabama tight ends, like how much are you having to rely on David Benda to drop back into coverage? Jalen Ford. I I'm, I'm cool with, I think the safeties will be okay too, but Nick Saban, he's going to go after perceived weak links on that side of the ball. And the two weakest links right now are J are not Jalen Ford are Benda. And then also potentially Ethan Burke too. Yeah, they even sees that. So he's going to he's going to run at both guys at times, but he's also going to have and Reese is going to have the passing game targeting both of those guys. If it's if it's a man situation, of course, for Benda, I don't expect Ethan Burke to drop back into coverage a whole lot, but they're also probably going to be fairly aware of when uh, Anthony Hill is on the field and make sure to figure out ways to neutralize him to not let him get going to do the, the one thing that he is much better at than anything else right now. Agreed. And, yeah, I mean, I want them to utilize
1: Anthony Hill, but we can't be leaning on Anthony Hill. And, and if we get him in third and 12, then, then let him go from the edge for sure. Um, in terms of Alabama on the outside, the receivers were down last year, and some of that had to do with quarterback play. Not quarterback play, uh, uh, just off the offense in general. Obviously, Bryce was, was really damn good. But the offense just with O'Brien never felt like it truly came together. But I think a lot of that was on the guys outside. Um, Another guy we signed who led them in receiving last week and is a true track guy, but a football player is Isaiah Bond. Isaiah Bond could really hurt Texas. And he was a Georgia sprinter. Hell, he was close to Tyreek's. Uh, uh one hundred meter record. Like, I mean, this guy can really fucking go. He had a hamstring issue a lot last year, but he's come into his own. And Isaiah Bond, I think seventeen, is a guy to really watch out for. Kobe Prentice is the other kid who's a true sophomore. Those are kind of the two young guys that they're leaning on to be their next guys. But Bond is that guy. Sciatic is getting you, huh?
0: No, but I'm trying to uh to go back and forth between the straight seated position and then. As we've had fun with all afternoon on the channel, getting down on my knees, it's wow. really getting close to the mic while I'm down on my knees to, yeah. get to the show there too to strep- stretch the hip flexors out.
1: That's my favorite position you're ever in.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we've got plenty of photo booth evidence to prove as much.
1: <laughs> that was that? A, uh, actually, that was in Chicago. You know, at the Amy's Ice Cream off Guadalupe, they take out the, the photo booth. Is that COVID or 2023
0: or groping or what? Yeah, I think that's a commonality at Amy's Ice Creams because the one on or the one near Anderson Mill on 183 used to have a photo booth too. Yeah,
1: and by the way, I haven't been in that photo booth since I was nine. It's not like every time I go in there, I'm like, time to get a photo too. But just I, I noticed it was gone. So.
0: Oh, you said it is gone now. Yeah, so yeah, it's it was a COVID casualty then.
1: Probably a COVID casualty. All right, what else about uh, – we, we can focus on Texas or Bama, but you know this is also a pregame talk where it's like preseason talk. We've got one game from each, but I think Saban and Sark have been right when they're saying we're going to find out about our team this week. You're going to find out a lot more. I mean, really find out kind of who you are. And they also weren't showing much. Sark, too. Like both these teams are going to have stuff dialed up that look different from last week, which is why I think offensively they will look better. Texas will than they did last week.
0: Yeah, I just look back to last season to realize that one week is a small snapshot of what a team is or is not. Because week one last year, Alabama blew out their opponent. I'm forgetting who it is off the top of my head, but it was a very similar final score, upper 50s to zero. And Texas, while the, the, uh, the final in their game against Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Monroe, I forget which Louisiana score school it was, it was a blowout also. But that was a game that was a very up-and-down performance for Quinn Ewers in the offense. So, same questions being asked game week. Can Texas keep with this Alabama program that has Bryce Young and Will Anderson and all these different guys? And when it came down to it, Texas, they were able to stick with Alabama and even had a chance to win at the end, despite the fact that they lost their quarterback, who was having a great game to begin with halfway through the first half. So,. Um, I, I do believe that this Texas team is going to learn from the mistakes or the things that it didn't do against rice and tighten some of those things up. Will it be enough to beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa? I don't know. That's not something that has happened very often since Nick Saban has been there. I want to say the number floating around this week is eight total losses in Tuscaloosa since he's been the head coach.
1: Yeah, and they went seven and six their first year, too. His really?
0: first year there. So it's five losses in essentially fifteen years. Right. In Tuscaloosa. Those are tough oh. numbers to overcome. Yeah, very it's like every time they're losing a game in Tuscaloosa, they're losing to a top five opponent. They have lost to a fifteenth ranked old Miss. They've lost to L S U. LSU, who is obviously good with Joe Burrow. Good. That's one of the best college teams ever. Yeah, obviously good. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Uh, So they have lost to teams like that LSU team, like teams that are really good that year, but they've also lost to teams who are good, but they hadn't necessarily proven themselves. And that's kind of where Texas finds themselves right now. So just don't worry about Alabama. Do your damn job. And you'll at least put yourself in a position to potentially win in the end. I'm just forward to seeing which quarterback is able to excel in – getting past his first read when he's throwing the football, because that is the biggest thing in stopping the opposing pass that both defenses are going to try and do. Obviously they're going to try and get an organic pressure on the, that signal caller, hopefully using maybe the first or the front four guys. Maybe you bring a linebacker or perhaps a well-timed defensive back blitz too, but you want that defensive front to be disruptive enough that you can commit more guys into making, finding a passing lane much more difficult for Milrow or yours.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, no, I think both offenses should be worried about that. And with Quinn, obviously, and with what Saban does defensively, yeah. And the blitz pickup or the stunts that gave Texas issues last week, especially on the in the interior line, um, that's – if they pick that up, I think Texas has a really damn good chance to win this game because the the one advantage, the real advantage I see Texas having, is their guys on the outside. Um, I, I talked about Bond, but are better than Alabama's guys on the outside. But it's more about the Texas guys on the outside against that Alabama secondary, and we'll see how healthy they are. But even if they are, that should be an advantage for Texas. And Ad Mitchell has missed too many games in college football. But when he plays, man, and plays in big games, A.D. Mitchell shows up. This has to be a game where we see A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Worthy, Nair, Whittington. I mean, they've got some guys that can really go and complement each other. And so those guys got to win some one-on-one matchups. and, And those guys, to me, have to carry the
0: day. I don't want Xavier Worthy to be a complete decoy, but I wouldn't mind if Texas was setting Alabama up last week by going above and beyond and targeting Xavier Worthy, especially in the second ha- uh, first half, rather, to set Alabama up to pay too much attention to Xavier Worthy, freeing some of those other guys up in the process. Now, we've seen a year-plus of Quinn Ewer's lean heavily on Xavier Worthy in that passing game. And Steve Sarkeesian also has a track record of throwing it to one guy a lot more than the others. So is that the case? Or are they uh, outsmarting Alabama there? No, probably not. That's probably who they are. But I hope Sark gets it into Quinn Ewer's head that he needs to be willing to trust some of those other guys uh, early on in his progressions too, depending on what the play is that's being called, obviously.
1: Yeah, I mean, is that Sark or is that viewers? I don't know. I mean, but yeah, I mean, that is their advantage. That is where they stack up as well as anyone in the country. Every other spot is probably more Texas fans, including myself, saying, well, I think the offensive line is going to be, well, it's probably not going to be as good as that. Uh, the defensive line is not a national unit, like top five, top ten unit. The linebackers, I like Ford aren't. The secondary is not. Uh, the running backs are new. Quarterback, we still don't know about. We know it's a ton of talent. Wide receivers, are that's your go right there. And, and that's how you separate. And I would try and open this thing up and get as much green grass as possible.
0: Jay Ward says, I personally think Milrose's second read will be tuck and run if the first read isn't there. Yep, you're probably right about that, which is yeah. why it's important to keep him fairly well-contained early on to make him rethink – Running with the football if that first read isn't there because he knows that there is somebody spying him or somebody waiting to uh, tackle him at or behind the line of scrimmage and maybe have him pay a, a small physical price or even a large f- uh, physical price in the process.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I think you're right, um, and I like what you said early on too. Kind of put some doubt in in you know don't let his feet get his confidence going. And early on, he takes off. And Jalen Ford's like, bro, I'm shadowing you all fucking day. And drops him for even a one-yard gain. You know, let him know that, no, this is not going to be – you're just taking off. And, and, you know, we are accounting for you, and you're going to have to go through your reads and be a big boy and make some throws.
0: That is right, my friend. Any other uh, games in college football that are catching your eye this weekend?
1: Um, let me go through the schedule here. Um, Texas A&M Miami is, you know, I want to see how good, I, I don't know how good either team is. Um, we mentioned Wegman look really good. Miami's one and know, but, um, I like Cristobal, but I certainly don't think they've necessarily turned that around. Okay. What Notre Dame at NC state could be NC state. You know, they've got the old, uh, Virginia qu- uh, quarterback. So Brennan Armstrong. And he's got his old OC when he was really clicking at Virginia. So I, that I'm, I got my eyes on that. Notre Dame's look good. They haven't really played anyone, but they're two and zero. Nebraska, Colorado. As funny as that sounds, uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Colorado as long as I can until they just don't have any bodies left. But they already have more bodies than I thought they did.
0: Yeah, I wish Blake Shapen was playing for Baylor because there might be some intrigue to that Utah game, but since they lost to Texas State, I don't really care about that one. Nebraska-Colorado, I know you mentioned Colorado and hanging on for that ride as long as possible. Like, Nebraska is coached by Matt Rule, and even though I think he was a bad fit for the NFL, I wondered about that when he was hired, even though I thought he could have success. He's one of those guys who is a micromanager. That almost never works at the NFL level, and it works really well at certain college programs. So can they bounce back from a tough loss to uh, Minnesota in week one? We'll see. Didn't realize Ole Miss and Tulane is a ranked matchup, but apparently it is with Tulane coming in saw, at four right now and Ole Miss at 20.
1: I saw that. It's actually a really bad weekend for college football. I mean, it, it you know, we'll all watch. and And the great thing about college football is a lot of times you say that and SMU upsets Oklahoma or – Tech beats Oregon, or, I mean, that's the beauty of the sport. Um, but heading into it, yeah, there's not a ton of appealing matchups. But, yeah, that that and Alabama, I think, are the only ranked matchups, right?
0: Yes, they are. Would have been Texas Tech and Oregon, too, but Texas Tech shit the bet against Wyoming after getting up 17 to nothing. Regardless, they are still hosting the number 13 Ducks in Lubbock, and that game is running concurrent to Texas, Alabama, too. So, enjoy Shitty ratings, Fox, with your Oregon-Texas Tech matchup.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching, and a lot of people will be watching because they don't have ESPN.
0: This will be an important game for Texas Tech. Now, they don't need to win the game necessarily, but they do need to uh, show people that they are capable of winning a game against good competition since they couldn't against Wyoming last weekend.
1: Yep. Um, both okay. State. I mean, this is going to be – I don't know. This will be one of those weeks, weekends where I'll watch a ton and probably form too hard of an opinion off of teams that are playing Ball State and Youngstown State. And I an opinion could go either way. Man, I'm not sure about the, the State, you know. But I'll watch. I'm a crack addict. I'm in.
0: Yes. And we are both in on the NFL this weekend, too.
1: Yep. Tonight. Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And- what- Kansas City, Detroit,
0: right? That's right. The Chiefs looking to defend that Super Bowl title, hosting the Detroit Lions and Kansas City in a bit of a predicament right now. Uh, Obviously, they are without Chris Jones, talented defensive lineman for them, and they could be without Travis Kelsey too, who is the most important weapon in that offense, not named Pat Mahomes, now he did go through some drills earlier today to test that knee out. Uh, Had to come out of practice, I believe it was yesterday, with some swelling. The hope there is that there's no real ligament damage, and he might be able to play tonight. But even if he plays tonight, seems like he's not going to be at 100%. So I actually have the Lions on the money line tonight, Kevin. I have the Lions pulling off the upset victory. This has been a fun team to watch under the tutelage of Dan Campbell over the last few years. Year one, they had their hearts ripped out repeatedly where they were losing games in last-second fashion, game-winning field goals. Remember Justin Tucker kicked that uh, NFL record game winner on them two years ago. A lot of situations like that. Well, last year, I mean, I want to say two years ago, they had four or five wins. Well, last year, they actually get close to the playoffs, but they were competitive to the end also, knocking off Dream Bay in their finale sending Green Bay home keeping them from making the playoffs. Remember Jamal Williams had that awesome post-game speech where it's just moving tribute to his grandfather and then he turns that turns that into uh not disrespecting the Detroit Lions. Man, Jamal Williams is one of my favorite players.
1: In person, he's we he was one of our one of our clients. One of the best I'd say football players, one of the best guys I've ever met. Like That's he is Jamal Williams is more legit in person than he is on TV, and he's pretty fucking legit on TV. I
0: always love to hear that because, unfortunately, there are plenty of guys right. who don't get that bill. But Williams but- is now a New Orleans Saint. Yep. The Lions revamped that backfield. David Montgomery comes over from the Bears. They also uh, draft um, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. He is insanely explosive, can also do a lot, not only running the ball, but also catching the ball out of the backfield too, may line up a receiver from time to time. And Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the top receivers in the NFL stats-wise over these last few years. Jared Groff is a dude that uh, a lot of people wrote off when he was traded away from the Rams, but is in a system that, at least for the time being, seems to appreciate him. And he's got a nice slew of dudes to uh, get to throw the football to. On top of that, I think they've done a nice job of acquiring pieces on the defensive side of the ball as well. Obviously last year's number one or first round draft pick, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is uh, looking to continue to take step forwards in year two on that lions defensive line.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, the Lions are, are building it. I mean, I remember Dan Campbell is Dan Campbell and was a Derek Spiller with the two tight ends for Texas A&M. Um, he would have been here in 98 uh, for that, for that game. And the, 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 Ricky uh, record game, mm. You know, he obviously comes off as your typical tight in almost Aggie meathead, but he's done a good job, and he's built a good culture there. And and they've done a, I mean, for the Lions being the Lions, I agree with you. It feels like they actually are building this thing finally in the right direction. So, man, you lose Kelsey, which we don't know about, but you don't have Kelsey and Chris Jones. Hell, just take out Kelsey. You don't have Chris Jones. Chris Jones has been that impactful – for them and is one of those guys that's almost irreplaceable
0: yeah he was really good for them last year big reason why they won the Super Bowl and look it's just one game as we talked about on the college side but it is exciting to get NFL back and uh, I'm not sure where I am with the Chiefs right now like it's so hard to repeat obviously because there are so few examples of that over time but if there's anybody that can do it, it's a team that is being led by Pat Mahomes and then also Andy Reid too, who uh who got that championship monkey off of his back a few years ago and then was able to do it again last season.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I Andy Reid is is changed the narrative uh since Philadelphia, you know, now we we'll, I mean he's a Hall of Fame coach, right? He's won two. I mean he's I don't know how many total wins he has, but he's been he's always been a good offensive mind, but there were game day things and clock things that in Philly just have not bit him in the ass in, in Kansas City. And Mahomes is Mahomes is the best player in the league.
0: As far as the state of Texas teams go this weekend, we have the Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants on Sunday night. I think the Cowboys and Giants are going to be jockeying for second best in the NFC East this year. Philly's still the best team, at least based on the roster and also last season's success, too. I know they'll be fighting against being a Super Bowl runner-up and what that typically means the very next year, barring some catastrophic injuries. I think Philly will win a second straight division title, which is a rarity in this division over the last couple of decades now. But as far as the Cowboys and Giants are concerned, KD, what do you make of this Cowboys team right now? I mean, do they have the potential to finally make a deep run in the playoffs, despite the fact that Jerry is in charge of it all? Yeah, they ab- they absolutely have
1: the potential. I mean, Philly is your team to beat, but you would say you should probably say Dallas, and we'll see what New York looks like. The Dallas is your second team in the East. I mean, who scares you in the NFC North? Who really scares you in the NFC South? Fuck, who scares you in the NFC West? San Francisco? um the nfc on the outside heading in does not seem like it's very deep now the nfl changes so much every year with the salary cap that i'm sure there's going to be some teams that, that emerge i also wouldn't sit there talking about the baltimore orioles preseason so you know i mean sports works that way that's one of the things we love about it but uh yeah i mean dallas has dallas is down to get to the super bowl man
0: Well, we're not going to spend the next 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, talking about the Texas Rangers with our next guest. Hey, I'm definitely talking to Justin. I got one quick phone call. Can I pop out and pop back in? Sure thing, buddy. We'll talk to you here in a sec. It is my friend, Justin Wells of Inside Texas, the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Normally hear him Wednesdays with Trey and BK in the 12 o'clock hour. But I am so busy right now. I have lost track of <clears> the week. Yeah. So instead he joins me on a Thursday afternoon. What's up, Justin? How are we doing today? Man,
2: just blessed. Just blessed. Good to see you, Trey. It's Texas Bama week. We're all scatterbrained. We're all – Joe Cook and I were talking about it earlier. We have, we're juggling so many things and so many scenarios. It's just crazy. But you know what? That's why we love this sport. That's why we do this for a living, and that's why I'm excited for Texas Bama and to get to talk to you about it.
0: So where are you with this game right now? I've gone back and forth this week. Right now I feel like Texas is in a position to really capitalize on an Alabama team that look, are they down for a and Are they down for Ole Miss or Mississippi state? No, but they're down for Alabama right now. And that means something. Where are you with this game right now?
2: You know, I know it might sound kind of dull, and simplistic, but I think it's going to be very similar to last year's. I think the matchups are very similar. I think the fact both teams lost their best player in Bryce Young and Bijan Robinson, I think the fact that lead the strength on both sides of the ball and to the fact that, you know, if you don't knock Quinn Ewers out last year, Texas probably wins by 10. And that's, that's – I mean, Bama would admit that. And so I think they're really close, Trey. And I think, I think, you know, if Jalen Milrow breaks out, I think it's going to be a long day for Texas. But what I anticipate is the Texas defense being what they were last year. And Devondre Sweat is a big deal up the middle. The Bama receivers aren't those type of guys anymore for the last couple of years. And at the end of the day, the Texas DBs over those guys might be the key matchup
0: all night. No doubt, and we just had one of our YouTube commenters suggest this, that the Texas defense, and I think the Alabama defense is going to do this too, to try and take away that first read for the opposing quarterback. But read number two for Milrow might very well be tuck and run. He is a freaky runner after all. And so that brings up the likelihood that we see Texas spying Milrow all night. and. The answer to the question of who is most likely to be spying Jalen Milrow, I don't necessarily know if it's anyone, dude. It's probably mixing it up to keep them uh, on their heels a little bit and not knowing where that spy is coming from. But if there are two or three guys that you think are keeping tabs on Milrow on those passing downs, who do you think that is? You know what,
2: Trey? If this was last year, DeMarvion Overshone would give Milrow pure hell. That would be the most ideal situation of uh, a young quarterback, second start against the defense at Texas that we, we learned last year, turned out to be pretty damn good. And so to me, losing over shown, that's, that hurts. Cause he had, he has hands full with Bryce Young, of course, the Heisman winner, you know, Jalen Catalan is the guy I'm looking at. I think that's the guy that's going to, that's going to kind of be paying the most attention. Um, Anthony Hill, I think is capable but he's also in his second game in his college career. So that's what I meant a little bit earlier about Jalen's breakout. You know, it's going to go one direction or another, especially when it's a young quarterback in his second game. It's going to be at home where Bama is virtually unstoppable, especially at night. But at the end of the day, uh, Jalen Catalan might be the best suited. Could David Benda do it some? Absolutely. Absolutely. They really want to have more of Ethan Burke and, and Baron Sorrell coming off the edges, you know, not having to to try to man that down. And Jalen Ford's going to be the middle of of the defense. He's the quarterback, but man, Jalen Catalan, I think is going to be the first one up. I think you'll see Anthony Hill get some of that as well. And I think this is where you miss a Maurice Blackwell because he has that quick twitch at this position at, at, at the Jack or at the buck where he can move around and do that kind of spying. And so, um, I'm expecting Catalan and some some doses of Anthony Hill just to make sure, you know, they get their fits right. They don't miss their gap assignments. And because uh, let me tell you, Milro is dynamic as a runner. Like yeah. he could be a four star running back. He is built. He is smart. He is strong and he is competitive. And so he's exactly what Nick Saban likes kind of the moldable quarterback without bad habits that doesn't try to do too much. So, yeah, this spy thing is going to be a big deal. And I think that's why the defensive line is going to have to get pressure and break up that pocket. And I think that's where Texas has an advantage on that side of the ball. If Jalen Catalan's up for it, and I guarantee you he is, that could be a plus for Texas.
0: You have to think that Nick Saban and Tommy Reese look at the Texas defense, see all the talent, but also see guys who – haven't done nearly as much at the college level. And the first guy that I think of when I say that is David Benda, who is obviously taking over for a guy that you know very well, that you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, who was ridiculous in his time with the Longhorns. Starts out as a safety, spins down to linebacker, comes an all-conference performer. Right. Uh, a uh, high draft pick of the Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately, he's yeah. out with a season ending injury, but I damn well know that DeMar Vion is going to come back stronger than ever before next season. But as far as David Benda is concerned, what do you hope to see out of him on Saturday?
2: Just assignment football. You know, Joe Cook and I actually talked spoke about this. Um he he, he thinks Benda is is a very important component to Saturday's game plan in in execution. And so Benda's gonna be put in the spotlight. We're going to see what he can do and what he can't do. But it, this, is, this is a guy that's been in the program for three years now. He, he's paid his dues. He's, he's done what he's supposed to. And he's not going to have to do it by himself. That's the thing I think Bendel will have to remember about everything else. If the D-line does what they do, the linebacker play becomes a lot cleaner. And if that happens, I think Bendel will have a better day.
0: For the uh, Texas offense, Justin – It begins the conversation that is with Quinn Ewers. People are not thrilled with his performance against Rice last weekend, but I also see a couple of tiny things going in a different direction that make that game look very different going into halftime. Where are you right now with your confidence level with Quinn Ewers and his second start against Alabama?
2: I think Quinn's in a great spot. You know, this is a kid that hasn't thrown an interception in his last 146 pass attempts, Mm. you know, carried over from late last year when he started progressively getting better. And then he had a great off season. Um, I, it it wasn't just Quinn's fault in that first half. Quinn was responsible for some of that. There were some reads that he didn't uh, take correctly. There were a few times where he he put a little too much on, on some of his deep balls. But at the end of the day, the interior offensive line, which is the weakness so far uh, especially if Cole Hudson's not starting or in one of those roles on, in a major rotation, that's 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 scary for Quinn. So I think that's going to have an, as much effect as anything. I think Quinn's in a great spot. I think Rice. You only got vanilla against Rice, and not the vanilla ice cream that's nice and sweet. You got the <laughs> extract that's kind of <laughs> sort of sour, and so. At the end of the day, Quinn came back in the second half, three consecutive drives, three for touchdowns. Really smooth, really cool. Again, not a not an interception in his last 146 pass attempts. Quinn years will be fine if they shore up the interior offensive line. They have to fix that. Cole Hudson's been running with some ones at right guard. DJ Campbell has as well. You know Hayden Connor at left guard. Uh NATO Umiazulu is right behind Connor there, pushing for snaps. I don't know how much you'd see in Tuscaloosa. If they shore up that interior line, if they figure out the best mix there, and it might be what it was last year with Cole Hudson at right guard, Jake Majors at center, Connor at left guard, maybe that is the best mixture for this week, whereas the younger guys in a couple weeks might get more of those reps. You don't want to send them into Tuscaloosa worrying about assignments, combo blocks, things of that sort. That's going to affect Quinn as well. If he can hit on a few of those more than just intermediate shots – his confidence. You saw his confidence. He had that walk when he hit Xavier on that seam in the first half against Alabama. They do that again. This thing is going to look a lot like last year. It's going to be close, real
1: close. Hey, Kevin. Justin, I love you, man. I, I could listen to you talk football uh, the rest of my life. And and um, you and I have got to know each other a lot better than last year, dude. You are uh, talked about Jamal earlier. You're you are, you're the real deal, man. So uh, love having you part of this family and, and coming on and, and keep up the great work. I, I've got tons of questions for you. We talked about the edge. Um, yeah. and I think you were with me. I mean, you know, I was uh, watching every Westlake game. We were seeing Ethan Burke. This guy is a, is the perfect project to go after, but we also knew it was going to take some time. Where are you with the edge in Texas right now and applying pressure without having to bring it with other bodies?
2: I I know it's progressing. Yeah. It's not near where it needs to be. Nope. You're getting pressure on the quarterback. You just got to take that next step, which is hitting him, getting to him. And I, they're, 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 they're making incremental, you know, progress here. Ethan Burke was substantially different this spring and summer. He's bigger, he's stronger. He's going to give you something. What it is we're going to learn, but yeah, Burke's ready to contribute. Baron Sorrell is one of the best tacklers in the program, and I think a little underrated, but at the same time, his sacks came in spurts last year where you'd see two in one, two in another, and then you wouldn't see a pressure at the quarterback three other games. And so that consistency is what you're going to need from that side. The key is Anthony Hill. Anthony Hill is the most natural pass rusher in the program right now, physically, mentally, mentally. He's been, it's his father, Anthony Hill Sr., played linebacker at Emporia State. This kid has been programmed to be the best linebacker in the, on the planet. Okay. This is the cool version of Todd Marinovich, the, the, the story <laughs> that ends well. Anthony Hill is a hunter. He tracks and he smacks. Six, two and a half, six, three, 235 pounds. There's your edge producers right now this year i think once you see more packages with hill he's going to play will most of the time but he's also got a couple sets for for for, for, you know when they had alfred collins playing some edge in that first scrimmage in in fall camp i think that was a a preamble to this bama game plan because if you
1: can't set the edge against alabama
2: it's going to be a long night
1: yeah, I just don't want that Arkansas night. And I don't think it will be. I'm with no, you. I, no. no, I don't think they're in that spot. I think it will be closer. And I think – I mean, I, I don't want to call it a coin toss game, but I think both programs or current teams have a lot to prove to themselves first, Alabama included.
2: Jalen Milrow is number, numero uno. Trey yeah. and I were talking about it earlier. It, this is his – make. this isn't a make or break. I don't want to put that on a kid in his second game. And I remember, Jalen, listen, tremendous kid, tremendous family committed to Texas, uh, with, with, you know, just a really good kid, good training, all that good stuff. If he breaks out, Alabama's got something because they're, 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 in, they're inexperienced mostly at receiver. I think Jermaine Burton might be their elder statesman. they yep. got a lot of young kids, including a, a, a freshman out of Longview, Texas, early, in, early enrollee, Jalen Hale. Jamarian Miller's are starting running back, his first year starting. That's the Tyler legacy player uh, down here. And so Bama's, if Milro hits, that's big.
1: If he oh, yeah. doesn't,
2: that's going to be very telling. And then I start to wonder how long Saban waits to make a change. Right. You know, if the game's close, because he's a dynamic runner. It's going to be one read and go. It's going to be just like Jalen Hurts at it. It's going to be one read and go for the most part. But I, that freshman left tackle could be a weakness for Mm Baylor. Caden Proctor, big kid, got some Kelvin Banks to him. He's mean. He's going to be playing on Sundays, but it's his second game in in the uniform. And so, so many factors when it comes to that, but I'm with you. I think it's Jalen Milrose, the biggest factor. If he's going well, Texas is going to have their hands full, flat out. And I think this game is so close. Like last year we're 20, 21 to 20, or 20 to 19, I've got 21 to 20 this year. I really do think they're about a point difference. And really, I'd give them a field goal difference if safeties count as two points on Saturday. Because last year, a safety (laughs) did not count for two points. Therefore, it kind of threw off your margin. It actually cost you. This year, if a safety does count for two points, Texas may actually win by a field goal.
0: Damn shame there. Speaking of X factors, Justin, I'm not going to give you the uh, easy out of Quinn Ewers. So other than Quinn Ewers on offense, who do you think the biggest X factor is for the Longhorns? Whew. You know, whoever's playing right guard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Probably. Um, you know what you're going to get from Jonathan Brooks. Steady, consistent. Uh, he's he's going to always hit the right hole, follow the right block, go forward. Probably not a big play guy. But he's going to hang on to the ball. He's going to move the chains. He's going to help you move the chains. Um, But Cedric Baxter, is. it only took one run for people to finally understand. He's the biggest back in the room, and he's probably one of the fastest outside of Jaden Blue. I mean, Baxter's the guy. And it's good that Sark came out today and said they're ready to cut him loose. I know he landed on the ball kind of awkwardly. Awkwardy, kind of awkward. I've done a lot of these last few days. (laughs) You're all good. I think he landed kind of awkward and uh, (laughs) he had a little rib sternum deal, but he's good to go. I, and it's neither one. You know, if Xavier Worthy hits early, this thing might take off because there's a lot of tension from last year's game. There's a lot of what if if they just did this or gone this far or pushed this side to the side or gone in this lane or ran this route. And I think Worthy has a lot to prove, guys. And he knows he's on the biggest stage.
1: That's, if him and Quinn can connect, that is your X factor. What do you think about – I'm with you on Worthy, and it does feel like both those guys with Milro, you could say all three of them, and the Alabama receivers. like They need confidence early, and that could change this game and that could propel them to where all of a sudden they got a different strut in the second quarter than they did in the first quarter. And yes. some of that hesitation and, you know, you have more clarity and you just have a different confidence. We all know walking around. I mean, you go, you know, Trey, you don't do this anymore. Justin, I don't think so either. But, like, you know, you go, you go talk to a woman back in the day and, like, if you had confidence or didn't have confidence, man, it, it can make a big difference and you feel the difference. And I, I think they're going to feel that. But A.D. Mitchell's a guy who's played against Bama before. He's been in these huge games. I got a feeling that A.D. Mitchell is going to be one of those guys who, walking into this, is, is ready to roll and, and also knows he can play at that level with these guys. No question.
2: And the beauty there, too, is remember, you know, Bama's always going to have good DBs. Like, yeah. that's, that, that's a, a religious law. In, yeah. in the state of Alabama, you're gonna have good DBs under Nick Saban. Great DBs, mind you. But out of cool outside of Kool-Aid and McKinstry, they're a little inexperienced, they're a little less talented than they've been in the last couple of years, and just a little less experienced. Caleb Downs is a five star safety. I understand that came in. He's gonna be productive. They've got another guy on the other side, Malcolm Moore. He's gonna be productive if he plays. He's he was iffy in the last game. But listen, Mitchell's. Done this with these guys. He's he's done this song and dance. Him going into Bryant Denny is going to have the least effect on any player on the Texas roster. Totally agree. If anything, yeah. it's going to be his proving ground. Yeah, because if you remember, he didn't get there wasn't a lot of activity during the season with him. His big numbers came late in the season, in playoffs, and then in the national championship games. And so I think there's a there, there's something there with hey, and I think the other receivers are going to feed off that. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to see it's, you know, you know what? Okay. We did this last year because it's virtually the same group, except you've got a John T. cook who never lacks for confidence, a Deandre Moore, you know, those kind of guys, but you know, Adnan Mitchell is the one he can stretch the field. And that goes back to what I told Trey earlier, Trey, and I agreed if Quinn connects on a couple of these shots down the field, that's going to really get this thing rolling. Just don't get behind the chains so badly. If they can avoid that, Adnan Mitchell is going to have a nice night in Tuscaloosa. And to him, it will be just another day at the office.
1: I'm I'm totally with you. Um, Quickly, I mean, I I don't want to speak too much here, and I don't think I'm giving away too much here. But just from talking to some of the Alabama people, put it that way, um, throughout the offseason, they are – first off, Malachi Moore is the quarterback of the defense. He lines yes. everyone up. He makes every call. He's cerebral. He's a damn good athlete. If he doesn't play, that could be huge for Texas just outside of his physical nature, just his mind not being out there could be really big. Offensively, I know that it, they weren't shit talking to anyone, but I mean, there were questions about Simpson, Milroe, and Buckner. And Alabama, as much as we look on the outside and look at them and think, They are so confident. It's the best dynasty in modern college football history, which it is. Um, No question. No question, right? But inside, for these guys that are freshmen, sophomore, and juniors that don't have that, they've got as many questions about what they're doing at quarterback in their offense as Texas does, if not more. And I know that sounds crazy. I promise you. I don't, know if
2: there, I don't think there's that many. You're talking if you're talking about the Alabama quarterback room right now. I don't yeah. think there's a lot of questions. I think it's actually Saban's very regimented with it. I think it's Milroe. If you do this, it was the same thing with Jalen Hurts when they had better passers behind him on the roster. If you do this and you execute this and you don't turn the ball over, well, by God, you're the quarterback. That's mm-hmm. been a staple of Texas of East Texas high school football coaching for years. When right. You protect the ball, you're yeah. most likely going to be the guy over the big athlete with the big arm. And so from that perspective, I think if Milrow can throw the ball down the field, that proves he can be the guy, but Texas has a defense that can really test him, really yeah. give him a challenge. And if it doesn't look good, I would not. I think the leash is going to be relatively short. I think yeah. Ty Simpson, I think is the guy, they really want to take it. They do. Buckner is the safe bet. I mean, yeah. he, he gets you through the game. And then, you know, yeah, it's gonna come down to Milrose success here. And and how I mean, how much how much saving let's let's happen. And the slower this game is now with the new rules, I think that actually helps them because he's gonna run the ball yep. almost as much as he throws it.
1: Yeah. No, and I meant more questions like within their 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 players are actually just curious and questioning how good are we with our quarterback. And that was what I was hearing all spring. And no rows run guy, can't put yeah. the ball there. Is Simpson going to be accurate enough? He should be the guy, you hit the nail on the head, to take it. And the fact that Buckner comes down and knows Reese's system and doesn't take that job when it's been as open as it has been forever. Trey, I mean, that that is, you know, I mean, I, Alabama, trust me, inside, internally right now, they're very confident. They're all five stars. They're at the best program out there. But they know with this team and this offense that they've they've got to prove it. And I think there are receivers and linemen on that team right now that aren't sold on their quarterback.
2: I That's think right. that there's some oh, go ahead, Trey.
0: That's that's. I was just going to say. That's why I think that if you're Texas and you force them to make an early change of quarterback, and we know Nick Saban is willing to do that in any game, he did it in a national championship game, so he'll certainly do it the second game of the year. If that happens, though, that bodes so well for the Longhorns defense and Texas aspects on winning the game. No question,
2: and I think the D line's the factor there. You know, Alabama's D line and Texas D line, I think, cancel each other out. They're both going to be the strengths of that line of scrimmage fight in that battle on Saturday night. It's the Texas DBs over Bama's receivers. Mm-hmm. That's the mismatch where I think Texas can kick butt. I think that's where a Malik Muhammad can bait a Milro because they're both in their second game. But let me tell you something. Malik Muhammad isn't a freshman. He doesn't play like a freshman, and he doesn't act like a freshman. So it's really just a title. I think that's your mismatch. And I think if they can get in on Milroy, and I told him earlier, I think Jalen Catalan's your spy. Yep. If and listen, there's some guys with stuff to prove. Because I think the last time Catalan played Alabama, he had like 13 or 14 tackles. There's 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 something to prove there. And I think they've been saving Catalan for nine months for to, to like take the take take the leash off, take, take the collar, let him eat.
1: Trey, we talked on Tuesday about who would be our number one spy. We gave forward. We gave different guys, but we both said Jalen Catalan's your guy because Catalan also has a nose for that type of stuff, and he can make plays. Some guys spy like you would play 2-3 zone coverage early on in basketball. You're just in a spot, right? there's other stuff you can do as your spy and still be very effective. And I think, I think, I think Justin at the nail on the head, I think Catalan is that guy for that. And um, Malik Muhammad certainly didn't come up in run support like a freshman in his first game.
0: No, he did not. And I think if uh, Jalen Ford wasn't responsible for so much else, he would be a great spy on Mill Road too. But considering Catalan's experience and and maybe making, Milrow pay a price when he is able to get to him and tackle him at or just behind the line of scrimmage. That's just all the more reason to unleash Jalen Catalan in that regard. And the apprehension with which you were using him in fall practice and maybe even against Rice is completely out the window in this game.
2: (laughs) To me, like we said earlier, this is where you miss Overshown. Yes. Overshown and Bryce Young virtually – canceled when it came to, to, to the run game and, and spy games. And this is where you miss him, Maurice Blackwell. He's your quick twitch of these Jack and the edge and these backers back there. He's the quick twitch linebacker that would be able to to, to spy this guy. I, I don't know if I would trust Benda, even though the sizes are comparable, because Milrow is more of a downhill, you know, bounce off of you type of guy rather than run around you and make a bunch of cuts. It's almost like he embraces contact to an extent it's just a very very hyper competitive family and, and individual uh, but at the end of the day man texas their defense is going to have to be the reason this thing is close i don't think the offense is there's there's just a few things that need to be fixed on offense which and i feel like by the time big 12 play comes around that's going to be clicking and where it needs to be especially the rotation on that interior offensive line i think that needs to be cleaner as well uh but, man, end of the day, it's going to be another close one, guys. I mean, I've got, I've got Alabama winning 21-20, to 20, and I'm going yeah. back and forth on that because yeah. it's it's going to come down to Milroe and it's going to come down to yours connecting with someone at a post-intermediate level, if it Adonai Mitchell, uh, uh, Casey Kane, hell, and Isaiah Nayor, who I thought looked good on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Those things start to happen. The ball's rolling. Then it could be a, a, a fun night in Tuscaloosa.
1: One one other guy quickly, Trey, to throw in before you ask the last question. Man, if you've got that type of talent on the outside, and like you said, Justin, early on, they do hit some stuff. You know, you have a dynamic tight end, a first-round talent tight end, which Texas does. Games like this, 21-20 game, because I'm with you around there. You know, there there are two or three seam routes that can change the game. If the RPO's called – That's a strength. Yeah.
2: And now, granted, they put it on tape, and Bama's probably going to be looking for this, but it's one of those things that if Quinn Ewers runs it properly, if Sanders does his job, if those line all do their job, you give up way too much if you try to take away that RPO. So Saban's not going to be that giddy. I bet he still sits back. That's a strength. If if that RPO game is there and there's a threat – from Brooks and from and C- uh, Cedric Baxter and for Jaden Blue, for that matter, he had 5.5 yards per carry last weekend. If there's that, you get those guys. That's when it's going to be fun. All
0: right, last question, Justin, because you are a Cowboys fan. NFL season gets going tonight. Cowboys start Sunday nights against the New York Football Giants. Jerry was piping off on 105 through the fan a couple of days ago. Great Land trade. We also said that a disappointing season would be underachieving, which is obviously open to interpretation. <laughs> Cowboys fan, what would be considered an underachieving 2023?
2: God, I love Jerry. You're the only one.
0: I know. You
1: guys, you're a Cowboys fan, man. I, I, I'm here for the circus, Justin. You're there
2: for the content. You're embracing the chaos. My heart's being drugged through. You know, like 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 Tom Petty and Stevie Nicks, (laughs) dragging it all around. Let me tell you something. Uh, Underachieving this year would probably be six and ten. Six and ten. Wow! Is it still sixteen games? I can't remember the seventeenth was added. It's seventeen. Yeah. So it's six and eleven. Okay. To me, six and eleven would be underachieving. I think this is. Wow! I think this low. this is an 8-18, eight or 9-18. <laughs> Have you seen like, the on, NFC? On a, good, on a good moon.
1: Wow. Oh, my God.
2: Here's the thing. They had the best offensive line in the league for a decade. Yeah. And with nine, that, wither. Yeah. So, at, without Zach Martin, Tyron Smith's still banged up. Practice yes. report came out today about him possibly not playing. Yeah. The O-line is not what it was. Tony Pollard is exciting, and he hasn't run one time. For real, since that injury. Um, CD Lamb is a star, future star. But Dak, had, Dak regressed last year. If Brandon Cooks can just be what Brandon Cooks has been for the last five years in the NFL, and that's a thousand yard rusher with four or five, five plus touchdowns each season, if he can just be that, take the guy, take that other safety away, the offense will be okay. I I don't know about the defense. I really, there's, there's, there's just a lot of question marks for me. And I think Dan Quinn is the, I think that's the best side of the field, especially it was last year, but the last part of the season that they went South so bad, especially stopping the run. And so right now I I think they're eight and eight. I think Philadelphia is so much further ahead of everybody else in that division, probably in that conference. Yeah. Um, San Francisco should be a lot better, but they, the best roster management without the actual production that actually gets you a trophy. It's kind of weird. Uh, the Cowboys wise underachieving brother, uh, Trey, a six and 11 is underachieving.
1: Man, I, uh, I, I'm looking at the NFC. I don't see a lot of teams, but I also, every point you made is valid. Their offensive line has not been the same. So, um, but I also feel a lot of since 1995, everything you've been drugged through is Stevie Nicks. Um, that, 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 that is built up here, and I, I don't blame you. Um, I mean, the Cowboys should be better than that. Before we let him go, you are a Rangers fan, right, Justin?
0: Oh, Lord, what are you doing to the guy? No,
1: you know what? I'm going to drag both y'all through it. Justin, I've turned into a Rangers fan. I'm a Cubs guy. I've watched every single game. I can tell you more about your team than most people can. I fell in love.
2: Did you see Evan Carter was called up?
1: Oh, really? I didn't see that.
2: Garcia was placed on the I.L. Evan Carter was called up. I have I a substantial investment in Evan Carter autograph rookie cards.
1: Substantial.
2: <laughs> so I need Evan Carter to play well. Do you remember the scene in the movie that, in Joker with Joaquin Phoenix? And they're sitting at, on that stage, and he's doing that talk show. <laughs> and the guy's like, you know, what's been going on? And, and, and he looks at him and goes, well – it's been a rough two weeks, man. <laughs> That's me right now. It's been a rough two, three weeks. Okay. I know. And here's the worst part I told Joe in May, we actually have it on tape, on video, which I'm going to queue up when it does come, ha- when it happens. I told Joe, Texas is not winning the division in May. I said, listen, there, this is a, this is just getting out of the gate hot and heavy. They're not going to. I didn't know I was going to go this south, this fast, this piss, this poor. I, I did not know that. Um, we should have seen it when Chris Young decided this bullpen was okay, adding Chapman and Stratman. But I'm not going to – I could just go on and on. The starting pitching has been somewhat phenomenal. If you can't be better with that starting pitching, be more consistent hitting instead of a 15-6 to six game, and then it's three or four games of one or two runs. End of the day, yes, I'm a Rangers fan. You know this. My son is turned into a diehard. He lives Pitch to pitch while he's watching the game and he's playing MLB the show, doing the same thing. He is obsessed with the Rangers. He's learning what dad has learned for 46 years. This is pain. <laughs> this is the way, this is just the way the world works. We get success in all the other teams. Yeah. I tell him the Cowboys, one of the best franchises in history, some of the most most wins, a lot of Super Bowls. Mavericks, awesome. We got Luca. We got Luca.
1: You got to ring
2: Dallas Stars. If we're not, we're not, we've got a Stanley Cup, but we've also been to the Cup three or four times since then. And and that's a pro, that's a team that's it's on the rise. The Rangers, man. The Ranger, I I mean, it's it's painful. And I can can take losing, but that series against Houston, there's
1: a lot of Ron White would say it, there's a lot of quit in that team. Uh, I hate to say it, and uh, why not? You know? Why are you a Rangers
2: fan? I thought you were an Astros guy.
1: No, I'm a Cubs guy. I'm, a, I, I'm born and okay. raised in Austin. I didn't yeah. realize Houston and Dallas had a beat until my freshman year at UT. Because I knew Austin was the best city, at least back then, Right, right, right. in the state. Like, if someone from South Padre would have come up, that's the only person I would have dueled with and had an actual argument with. Houston and Dallas weren't Austin. So I got buddies from Houston and Dallas my freshman year. And they're going toe to toe about everything. So okay. I never knew you guys had a fucking rival. I just didn't.
2: I, I lived in both, so technically, personally, I didn't. I grew up around Dallas, you know, at younger, so that's where that's where it started. I was four years old. I was a Mavericks fan, Cowboys fan, then Rangers fan a few years later.
0: Right. So that's where
2: my roots were, and I was always too told though root for the home team. So if the Houston Rockets were playing the Lakers, we're rooting for the Rockets. We're rooting for right. the team. Ralph Sampson. Uh, you know, those guys, if, you know, if that's the way I've always been raised. I've been to more Astros games than I have, uh, playoff games and I have Rangers games. And that was before their World Series run. This was years okay. ago. So I, I I like both. I've got my son likes both. He actually we play, he played on the Astros this year. He, he loved that. But this collapse is just, that. Chris Young deserves all this.
1: He does. And he didn't construct this group.
2: Jonah Haim trade for, from Ellis Andrews for the Oakland A's. John Daniels stole that. Yeah. There were a lot of these moves. That actually, John, or I think the, the low, uh, Nathaniel Lowen was another one. Like, John Daniels' handprint is still on a group of these
1: guys. No doubt. No doubt. The reason I became a Rangers fan, though, is because I'm a sports addict and I love baseball and y'all know that. And so, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching tons of games, but the Rangers are on every night. The Astros aren't. And and so I so I love I, I will fall in love with teams even if they're not my team because I love sports. So the Rangers are a likable team, man. And I get your son watching them and you know, so I just started rooting for them organically, not even meaning to. I will say though, there is some irony in that fact that you guys should have a ring because you had a right fielder Cadillac the ball, and this one went too tough and what blows out a foot. <laughs> Sorry. Do you have but, some bet, Trey? J- Justin, Justin, right now, get
2: out of here. did you like have a bet with him or something? Like, hey, let's see how many buttons we can push for his first appearance on here. I mean, he told- is it enough for my heart to explode? Are you trying to go Roy Firestone and get me to cry? Like, what's the result here? And if you're in on it, in on it, I want on the cut because this
1: is some pain. This sucker brought up the 2011 World Series. I be goddamn. He told me, can you Barbara Walters him? And I go, I'm ready lie. for that. <laughs> I'm not emotionally there. The, Try real,
0: the real conversation pre-show was Kevin saying, you know, I think we need to talk about that Rangers Astros series. Yes. Well, a little poquito. Yeah. No, I think we can work about. I, I have never once have accused the my- Astros of
2: cheating. I have never, and that's as a diehard Rangers fan. I have never once accused because I think they all do in some form or fashion. That's baseball. That's actually a tradition. It's to find little ways to cheat. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've never said that, but mm-hmm. no, there's no reason to bring up any of it. They should have actually played in the ALCS, the Astros and the Rangers in 2016. Texas got upset by the Toronto Blue Jays when they were up two games and could have clinched it in the third. Houston had a good start against the Kansas City Royals. Couldn't beat them, though. I think the Royals came back and finished that series. We almost had an ALCS of these two teams, Texas and Houston. I like the rivalry. I think it brings out a nastiness. Oh, I think it's great. I think it's fun, and I'm going to let my son figure out which team's his team, which team he follows. But right now, yeah, he's a Rangers guy.
0: I also like the rivalry too, Justin. But I don't like when it looks like the some of those Texas OU games from the early 2000s. Oh, where God. Fans are leaving at halftime.
1: That's on him, Justin. That wasn't me. That's on him, and that hurts me too. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm trying to get you back a little bit. I can't talk about your Cubs not winning a World Series anymore because they won one of those a few years ago. Thank God. My comment pre-show was I would rather. Watch my mom and dad have sex in 2023 as the people that they are now, than talk Texas Rangers baseball the rest of the year. I'll talk Rangers again when they give me a good reason, a positive reason to talk Rangers baseball. That's not going to be happening though. It's time to look forward to 2024. Unfortunately,
1: I think Rose I think Roseanne's a good-looking woman right now. I'd watch
0: her have sex 25 years ago. Let's go I'm for it. Sure, I'm sure you would, but when you pick, <laughs> there is not enough that he's in. And you uh, also consider how different they are as the people at this point. It would be a pretty ugly scene, a horrifying scene. Some might say.
1: I never watched a porn and wondered if they were on the same level emotionally. There's
2: not a there's not enough electro shock to bring me back into coherence <laughs> to any of this stuff. Like, I'm sending y'all a bill for one. I'm calling my therapist when the I'm off the air. That's two. <laughs> I got my emotional support dog back. He was outside, but I told him, "Man, you got to get in here. Come here, rubble. It's all good. Come on." Oh, I love
1: Justin, man. I, I wouldn't do this with many other people, but I love Justin so much. I knew he'd be able to roll with it. But no. good radio
2: is good radio, or <laughs> yes. good video radio is good video radio. Wow.
1: I know, and that's the funny thing about being kind of a faux fan. If you watch someone and you get into it. Like, I like UNLV in basketball, I like Florida oh, yeah. State football, you know. No. And then once they went away, I was like, I'm good. Like, that's yeah. fine. I got no problem. Yeah. Like, Texas goes eight and five. I lose my shit and have to go talk to my therapist, you know. That's never going away. Um, but never. never going away. So, but, yeah, yeah. no, it's um,
0: – We could string together a couple years of eight and five. What's up? I said, if only we can string together a couple years of eight and five. I know. And
1: you know, the sad thing too is
0: I'll never forget 95
1: for the last Southwest Conference Championship. I was way, probably too idealistic then. I was still a kid and I thought life just works out the way it should. That's, that's what's going to happen. Right. So I was like, of course, we're going to win the final Southwest Conference Championship. We've been the best team. We've won the most. We should, even though Aiden's been dominant and it happened that way. The reality is, with the Big 12, and trust me, I hate to say it, if that's the case, OU should win this last one, right?
0: Yeah.
2: I don't I think like, I like the logic up until that last point. <laughs> and here's the thing. Oklahoma was going to get better no matter – they weren't going to get worse. They have good coaches. They have good players. They weren't going to get worse. So now that you've put that into – spoke that into existence, that's on you,
1: KD. Yeah. That responsibility is on your shoulders now, so Justin. Good luck I, with that. I, yeah, I I just jinx them. Not, I'm not worried, man. You can tackle your first weekend. You ain't tackling all year long. You don't. I I've rarely seen teams that go from that shitty of tackling to uh, <laughs> Belichick. You know, wrapping up and everything's done right away. Team Oklahoma's not winning it this year. I just hope Texas does, and and. Um, because Texas, that should be very close from 96 on now to where they've got 12, big 12 championships. Texas has 10 or 11, whatever. And it's from not. The, from the media narrative, they have to win
2: it. Not yeah. from expectation, right. but from all the Brett Yormark stuff and the yeah. deputy commissioner stuff yes. and the Joey McGuire stuff. And yeah. there's going to be more stuff when that, that's why they have to. Yeah, no, the only year Because that's in my the only life. way you shut people up. That's the only right. way you win that. Otherwise, they win. Otherwise, that
1: narrative becomes reality. It's the only year in my life, and it'll be the only year in my life that if Texas doesn't win the conference championship, I hope Oklahoma does. Mm. I mean, it's not like we're a championship away all-time Big 12-wise. Like It's already a blowout. They've already been the best team in the Big 12. Let, yeah, me give, let me give
2: it. you a quick idea of how important it is to beat Texas and other schools' minds. I have a good buddy who's an assistant coach at Oklahoma State. They had an all-staff meeting here recently. A couple of big donors come in, talk up to guys, kind of a, a normal dinner type atmosphere. And the last one, the, 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 one of the big donors comes up and says, listen, I don't really care about all this. He goes, I'm going to ask you one question in 10 years there's only going to be one person, only one question anybody's ever going to ask you, your family, your friends. Did you beat Texas and Oklahoma in your last year? their last year in the Big 12? That's yeah. the only question you're going to hear over the next 10 years. And how are you going to answer that? If y'all don't think this is not a double down, let's get it on. Let's push it to the max. Listen, that's what's going to make college football a freaking blast this year. Every game is going to have some sort of connotation. They're going out. They're, it's, and that's why I'm telling you, if Texas runs the gauntlet and does win this thing, they did it in a big-time way.
1: Yeah, and probably did it against the lungs paying people off if it means that much, which I totally believe you with officials or whatever. And if you want to call me conspiracy theorist.
2: Yeah. <laughs> to... Yeah. yeah. watch well, um, the Big 12 the last 15 years. Oh, no, 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 no question. I had a – I got in a verbal uh, argument with we- Walt Anderson, uh, oh. the, the, the Big 12 officials at the 2016 Big 12 media days in front of everybody. So uh, after the Oklahoma State game with the Thank Texas a referee bumped – into Charlie yeah. strong and blamed him 16 penalties in that game set the Texas record. Eight of them were egregious. I, you know, trust me, I've had my bout with these dudes and I'm with you. I'm on board. I, I think it, it, it's going to, you're just, Oh God, wait, <laughs> you're going to have to fight through it. Wait, what, what did you say to Walt Anderson? Cause that Kevin's is great. Gonna, we are I wanted, a- I wanted a resolution. I wanted to know what the punishment was. Because after that weekend, Texas obviously submitted all these plays to the Big 12 office. And his statement after reviewing them was, there were some mistakes. And that was the period. Period. Sincerely yours, Walt Anderson. Fuck you. Like, that was it. So I asked him, well, how were these guys held accountable for these mistakes? Why wasn't there anything done by the league on something willful to Buddy? Any, Any lawyer will tell you you know you accidental is one thing willful that's another bracket and I think that's
1: exactly what happened so I wanted some I wanted some accountability he was Good not for ready you. for that question one of the many reasons Justin Wells kicks ass Trey and I were at that game and had to do post game and I fit at a point Trey and you have too when we do post game it's very easy to talk about a call here and there and I'm like let's not do that it didn't you know, there's other stuff to talk about, right? Right. And I looked, I looked at you, remember Trey, and I go, dude, we, we got to break that. I mean, we, we were we had good angles with Trey seats on all these, and I hadn't been to a, a game live in a little while. And I, I mean, we were losing our shit, and rightfully so. Saw the bump, but as you mentioned, of the 16 penalties, eight or more felt egregious, and even more than that, there were a lot of penalties, which is I'm worried about holding against texas that's never called did you know oklahoma only had
2: one holding call against them last year oh yeah it ain't it's not just texas now tom you all know texas is as much hated as anyone oklahoma's getting it too that i think it's gonna make both programs just fight harder I think Oklahoma's going to be better for it. I think Texas is going to be better for it because they know now they cannot sleep one time, one week. You cannot. It's crazy stuff can happen. You can go to Ames on a team that's lost half their squad to dual fans or fan du- du- draft games, and you and things can happen. Crazy things can happen. But knowing that everything around them that's kind of working in unison – you just know you have to be ready every single Saturday. To me, I think that gives Texas an advantage. They know for a fact they can never let down. Not until that buzzer goes off, they can't stop.
0: Oh, boy. Wow, what a what a final 20 minutes of this conversation. He is just <laughs> a, uh, inside Texas, insidetexas.com, the On Texas football. He's the best, man. Check him out there and check him out usually on weeks where I'm not losing track of the day of the week on Wednesdays in the 12 o'clock hour with Trey and BK. Justin, always a pleasure. Let's, uh, let's watch the Longhorns win one in a couple of days, huh?
2: Hey, Trey. You, music to my ears, man. So good to see you. So glad to – last week was good. I, I thought this was even better. No offense to BK. Well, some offense to BK. Uh, but all in all, appreciate you guys KD nothing but love man yeah, good to see sure. your face good to hear your voice yeah. you guys know the rules man appreciate yeah. it.
1: let's catch up soon Justin I mean, you are you know you are truly one of the best and you're you're as good behind the scenes as you are in front of them that that says a lot about you man so
2: appreciate you guys
1: thank yeah. you thank you see you Justin dude I love that guy I would not have done that if it was any or I probably would have done it with someone else but like Justin is you, you and BK were definitely tight with him, and I've gotten tight with him the last I don't know two years, and um, he's just he is everything that he comes off as and more,
0: you know. Genuinely good dude. Yep. And I'm perhaps an obvious admission here. I'm not the best relationships person necessarily. Like the relationships that I have, I I value them, but I'm not great at fostering relationships with a lot of different people. Okay, is a pure relationships guy and it's not phony either it's not like he's feeding bullshit to people like he is he has these legitimate relationships that he establishes with players with parents coaches with media people with his colleagues at inside texas and he is not just well respected but beloved as a result too so It's a pleasure getting to talk with him on the regular basis about something that we're all so passionate about, obviously, like Longhorn football and occasionally the Texas Rangers struggles too.
1: Ah, the Cadillac comment. I didn't need that. But when I saw Garcia go back, I mean, that's the funny thing about baseball. You know, if Nelson Cruz goes back with that urgency, and the game was over with. It was a Brantley home run at like 10-2. So I give Adolos a ton of credit, man. Bust your ass. It's what we were taught. I don't care what the score is. I don't care how much time's left. Go. And if Nelson does that, y'all have a ring. And instead, you're in the spot, and he does it and jumps up. And he barely has a shot at the ball and comes down. So, yeah, uh, I just brought it back more for you there. But, uh, by the way, you're a pretty good relationships guy. Actually, you're a, you're an incredible friend. I guess building relationships is what you're talking about. But once you're in one, man, you're, you're as loyal as loyal comes.
0: Yeah, let's go with that.
1: I'm telling you from my, end. maybe you're not with other people.
0: I appreciate that. No, I think I'm a pretty loyal person when it comes down to it. I didn't see the Garcia injury last night or yesterday, but was he the guy who was punching the ground repeatedly?
1: Yeah. So I think it was Brantley and Brantley's hit the shit out of shares his whole career. Um, that's the other thing. Michael Brantley's back. Um, and is a pro hitter. Most people need two months of timing, and Brantley comes back. He's like, "Oh, ninety six and running. Yeah, I know what to do with that. I'll just stay back and pop at the left." I mean, Brantley is that professional of a hitter. And I think it was Brantley. I don't know. If they hit fucking eighteen home runs in three game set. So I don't know. Um, but it's a ball to the right, and Garcia's busting his ass and jumps up to try and rob it. And it was close and comes down and screwed up his foot, and he obviously knew as he's punching the turf, never punch it with your throwing hand, but he's not a pitcher, that yeah, my guess is he's probably done for the year.
0: Mm. Hmm. Just one more reason to not believe in the Rangers the rest of the way. They lose one of their more clutch hitters.
1: It was a hell of a run, man, and you're only still a half game back in the wild card, so who knows what Toronto is going to do. You got a four-game set there, but as I told you, you guys were still in you guys were still in the playoffs when we talked after game one and I said this was a dagger. Rangers could have won the next two games. It's baseball. And sometimes you gotta be careful in baseball, especially, but sometimes you just feel it. And I feel like I've watched this team enough that I felt it moving this direction that yeah, it's thirteen six and it's one game, you can still win the series. What happened surprised me a little because it was so 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 lopsided, but um I mean I felt right then and I kind of told you they're getting sweat man and you're going to Toronto for four and I think Bichette and uh what's his nuts uh Chapman may be back lovely Matt Chapman not not your guy
0: I don't know how to feel about Ivaldi being back in the rotation even if he's stretching his arm out like Isn't there a way you can stretch that guy out and not have him starting games for you? Like, let a starter get through a certain amount of innings. And I know it's Dunning or Heaney, so it's pretty awful options otherwise. But Yavaldi clearly didn't have his stuff a couple nights ago.
1: No, no, he didn't.
0: I know that you're trying to throw anything against the wall right now if you're the Rangers to find some sort of success pitching. Starting or relief, by the way. But Yeah, I
1: mean,
0: go ahead. I I just think that you're risking further injury for him at this point.
1: He's already had two Tommy John surgeries. The big money guy you signed is on a second Tommy John surgery right now, DeGrom. Um, The biggest thing with him is his slider had no bite. Like, good sliders in the major leagues – One, you tunnel it so it looks like fastball, but it's got serious bite. It's got vertical depth. It's got horizontal movement, and it was spinning. I mean, they call them cement mixers, and that's kind of what he's throwing up there. And you throw that up there against an Astros lineup, as good as they are, one through nine, and that result is, you know, nine-nothing after three. Jose Altuve had three home runs in the game before the Rangers got to 7, 8, 9 in their lineup. I've never seen that in my fucking life in baseball, and I've seen most. That's how dominant it was.
0: Yeah, I'm just glad that they took him out at some point so he didn't have an opportunity to hit four or five or maybe even six homers by the time it was all said and done. I mean, yeah, Martin yeah. went deep twice in that game. That's how bad it was for the Rangers. Oh, Maldonado? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean a, a 200 hitter who can't hurt the shit.
1: And you went home went twice. And Abreu's not the guy you were covering on the south side, Trey. is a 230 hitter now. He claims he doesn't see the ball well at minute made, which is weird. Um but
0: maybe he, he needs that two Yeah. What's up? So maybe he needs that hill back in there.
1: Yeah, or the trash can. One of the two. There you go. I gave, gave you a little love. That's all y'all can do on Twitter right now. Not you, not you but Rangers fans. Just that's right away, go to the cheating deal, man. That's, a, that's the thing the Astros got to deal with. And there were probably other, there obviously were other teams doing it to what level, we don't know. I don't know if the 2016 Cubs are doing it, the 2015 Royals. This may have been going on for a long time. But, you know, it's like, if you ever cheat on cheat on your girl, do the rest of your fucking life. Luckily I haven't, but I've also made other decisions which I don't think were as bad as that. And they will bring that shit up every single time if it gets to a hey, we gotta throw punches, verbal punches right now. And that's the only thing the Rangers fans have on the Astros right now, on Twitter or social media, is like, yeah, I'm not well, Aldenado went yarn twice. Something had to be going on.
0: Did they even have that anymore? The Astros freaking won a World Series last year. So even that line goes away.
1: You would think, but um, and I'm not taking shit away from the Astros. I mean, they were they were cheating at the highest level. But like you said, they won one. That's why last year was so big for the Astros. If they never never win another one, it's also why it's important George Springer doesn't hit 220 for the rest of his career, right? individually and team-wise, it was important for them to show, yeah, it helped. Yeah, we were doing it. Yeah, we're still really good baseball players.
0: Wait, is George Springer a two hundred and twenty hitter now?
1: Springer's, I don't know what he is, but... Correa has
0: not been very good this year.
1: Correa and Springer have not been as good as they were. I mean, Altuve, funny enough, the story was that he was not, he didn't want it, and I believe that. Michael Brantley's a pro hitter. Uh, Alvarez and Tucker really weren't even up yet. So, but Springer, Correa, Bregman, Bregman's proven he's still a really damn good hitter.
0: But I those- don't. With Altuve, by the way, because that video does exist from the year they won their first World Series where he hit a walk off and everybody was running to home plate to tear his jersey off of him. And he was like holding on to it. Like holding on to it tight, like no, 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 stop doing that. Like that was that was weird to me. It was it was a bad tattoo. I don't buy that at all. Um, that tattoo. What the excuse was? A tattoo. Yeah,
1: down. it was a, it was an unfinished tattoo. Bullshit. Yeah, I mean that 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 that's not gonna fly.
0: That's, so that's yeah, a-
1: wires and everything. Look, I mean, you open yourself up for that. You know, you cheat on Justine once, Trey. She's gonna. She's always gonna wonder. Were you really hanging out with Kevin playing video games? Why do you smell like perfume? He wears perfume. That's what he's doing now. All right? He's he's turned 50, and he's he's turning over a new leap or something like that. All right?
0: He's trying to get the bachelor smell out of his apartment, so he's... (laughs) No, gosh. It's tempting to get into this story that actually has to do with that but i think we're gonna save this for let's save it because
1: it's a it, it's a story that'll that'll go on forever but is the last guy to ever cheat and would ever do that but
0: craig says bad tattoo no such thing actually oh. isn't aren't most tattoos bad tattoos isn't that the point of tattoos that it's something that you get that you feel so strongly about in the moment but then eventually you realize that it wasn't good enough so you get another tattoo to help obscure the first tattoo and so on I i
1: think it also turns into an addiction but when we were growing up man the only people that had tattoos were convicts and navy guys right old navy guys yes in vietnam and it's like hey good for you thanks for serving our country man and if you're a convict you know just be cool in the bar all right and so I don't mind. I mean, I think it's gone way overboard, but whatever. I mean, you know me, very libertarian, dude. Do what you do. Like, you're not hurting anyone. Fucking put a face tat on there. You may not get hired at the job you want down the road, but the biggest thing I've seen with tattoos is, and definitely during my milf phase, is the older you get, stuff sags. You're not in shape anymore. Yeah. The big arms you had with the Andy Katzen warrior barbed Bar, wire, guess what? And it ain't there anymore, and the tats not only fade, but your body changes. I like this country in 30 years with all these people that have tats everywhere. There's a chick who lives here who has two tats above her knees. Mm. Why'd you go there?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And that's
1: it, like no other tats, but two tats above her knees.
0: I don't know. Is it like a, uh, is it like a uh, a sunny side up egg? That she wants to turn into over easy or something in 10 years?
1: I don't know. No, get your tattoos. Just remember, um, you don't have a tat, do you?
0: Me? No, no. My problem with tattoos is I change my mind entirely too much. So nothing short of commemorating an unexpected death is something that I would regret probably in a half decade.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I think I, I was gonna get one. Even like at sixteen, I thought at some point there's gonna be something I would get a tattoo. And then I just ran into life with cancer and everything, and I got scars all over my body. I, I get naked and one look in the mirror and go, God, if I was gay, I'd do that. Um, but no, I mainly I look and see scars, and I got scars everywhere. So th- those kind of those are my life tattoos, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And generally speaking, like I know I made the joke and. <laughs> Greg follows with How Dare You. How dare you? I um, like
1: DC, man.
0: For, for the most part, I, I'm fine with tattoos. Like, you do you. That's fine. As long as it's not something f- flagrantly ignorant. Like, you, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a swastika on the forehead for all those. All right, uh, I'm,
1: I'm not cool with that, all right? I'm not that libertarian.
0: That is. But again, that's you. Stupid decision by you because okay. you're going to be an outcast for the rest of your life. But I guess go for it. But there are certain tattoos that in my single days would completely shut down something that was potentially going on with a girl that I was seeing or hooking up with. For instance, there was one, and I guess we're going to leave you people on with this one today. There was one where like, we did our thing and then it was over with. She got up to go get a drink of water or something. And I'm not even kidding you. It was a lower back tattoo that was the size of a dinner plate. And I want to say she was Irish. It was like her family crest or something. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, well, I'm gonna be completely embarrassed to ever be seen out in public with you at a beach when you're in a two two-piece bathing suit. So this is the end for us right now. Really? So I walked out of there. Yeah. Oh my God. I always like I always like I
1: always liked the tramp stamp. It was a good landing spot.
0: Yeah, but when it's when it's a dinner plate though I mean it's going from love handle to the love handle and it's going halfway up the back and it's yeah bleeding into the crack too it's just entirely too much and she also let her dog stay in there when it was happening i don't I don't want any sort of audience I definitely don't want an audience with a creature who has a keenest sense of smell as that creature does when sex is happening
1: yep no they they're smelling stuff that that we don't uh, I did like, though, when when I it was impossible for me to get laid. Any chick with a nose ring, smoked, a tattoo, I had enough problems. I, I thought this is, you know, there's you know either bad decisions going on here or she's just super liberal and is going to let it go. I, I always hit on them quicker because I thought there was a better chance I could get laid.
0: What was it? Nose tattoo, tramp stamped, or smoked? No nose
1: ring, tattoo, or smoke. It, any of those three, I always felt like, you know, there's a better chance. What I didn't realize is I should have been going after the preacher's daughter.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: I didn't know that then. You know. You live and learn.
0: You've been oppressed entirely yeah. too long. All right. Kind of like taking a shit in your pants. You live and learn.
1: Became <laughs> full circle. How about
0: that? The first rule of Hooking up with a tramp stamp is don't keep doing it. He is Kevin Dunn. I am Trey Elling. Thank you so much for watching and listening today, not just to this show, but all throughout the day on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We will be back tomorrow. Kevin and I will be back to, on Saturday after the yep. Alabama game. Yep. Post game, the channel itself will be back live tomorrow at 8 a.m. with BK and Bucky bright and early. They will talk to you then and we'll see you at some point. In the meantime, Welcome.
1: See you guys.